This is Southwest Media's sports podcast, Sports for Dummies. I'm Dan Huss, and I'm here with Eric Krauscher and Todd Ablin. Tom Chardon is off this week. For the week of January 4th, we're talking about the Minnesota Vikings, conference makeups, and high school hockey conferences. The third podcast here. Lots to talk about as uh, we roll into January and nothing is uh, on our minds more than those Minnesota Vikings, right? Yeah, that was a disappointing end to a disappointing season, wasn't it? But kind of, you kind of felt like that was going to happen. I mean, if you're a true Minnesota Vikings fan, you didn't feel like they were going to win that game, even though they had more to play for. It just didn't seem like this was the team that was going to come through. But when you play at home, you still have that hope. Yeah. I mean. Or, or you hope that, they, that the Bears were watching the scoreboard and realized it was 21-0 right out of the gate. The Rams were going to win that game. And Chicago had nothing to play for. But, uh, but I, I can't blame the Bears for not wanting to beat the Vikings. You know, everybody says, well, why wouldn't they, you know, lay down? Who's going? If you can knock your division opponent out, and you would have to play them next week. Why not put your foot on their neck? Yeah, absolutely. It was just, uh, it seemed like the whole season was just kind of a, something was off with the team the whole season. Just never, nothing clicked. They never, I don't remember a good, maybe the first game of the season mm-hmm. is probably their best game that they played all year long. Yeah. Everything, everything was just a battle for them to try to uh, do anything. Yeah, and I mean, chemistry I think that's kind of what you're getting at I mean the makeup of last year's team while not tremendously different had a different vibe to it and you know they were you know they were 13 and 3 there was a bunch of ball games they could have lost and I felt like they won some of those games that they didn't win this year and tougher schedule and and such but um, you know I, I just don't know I mean personally for me everyone's blaming you know Kirk Cousins, the offensive line, you know, some people are like the defense just was not opportunistic and, you know, the bend but not break uh, just didn't work. Personally, for me, I I look at it as coaching and it starts with the loss of Tony Sperano at the beginning of the season. I mean, the offensive line was a mess, but it was the same offensive line as last year outside of, you know, one guy. Did they ever replace him? This is, I always looked around. No, they, they kind of went interim with somebody with in-house, assist- right? So yeah, that they was... went with an assistant guy. I think his assistant was elevated. And, um, you know, something that I've heard is that Sperano kind of was that intermediate, somebody that uh, that Coach Zimmer could go to. Right. Um, and offensively, that was really their biggest, you know, like they just couldn't get the offense ever going. So I wonder how much the loss of an offensive coach uh, before the season to a heart attack really kind of changed things up because just didn't look like the, the offensive coordinator and coach were on the same page at all, all season. Um, so, I mean, I think it kind of starts with there. But, you know, my big thing, and I said this on Twitter a couple days ago, Zimmer focuses on defense. It's like he has no input of what goes into yeah. to the offense outside of after the game when he's complaining. Yeah, I was going to say, he's always asking to run more, though. Yeah. I mean – Maybe he's just dipping his toe in the offense. Yeah, yeah. But a, a good head coach doesn't say that on Sunday night and Monday morning. They're saying that Monday at an evening, Tuesday, you know, game planning. Why, why are we calling out an offensive coach uh, who you put in that position after a game? Well, right. isn't it your team? Isn't a head coach's job to be the leader of a team to establish all this before a game? And that's you just kind of saw it the other day. Just 
underprepared four three and outs in a row. I mean, in the biggest game of the year, four three and outs yeah, in a right row. Right to start it was just it is couldn't get anything going, and it just filtered out through the whole game, kind of like the season. Yeah. Like you know, this couldn't get anything going. You play. You know, I don't know if you said you blame Zimmer, but you're. I think front office, you got to look at Spielman. You know, how long, how many years has we had a bad offensive line? Yeah. He's done nothing to fix it over the last three, four years. And well, I think, I mean, I think they tried two years ago with Reef and, and Remmers, and they were improved last year. Right. Uh, Reef played well at left tackle. He was not great this year. Remmers was atrocious at right guard. I mean, the inside play. Right. But I think they went into the season, in my opinion, thinking, okay. We have pretty much the same group as we had last year. Compton is all right. He might be our weakness, you know, losing Nick Easton. Right. But I think a lot of those guys regressed. Uh, I mean, Pat Elfline was not the same no. center. But O'Neill um, was probably their best lineman, and they certainly weren't counting on him. Yeah, they drafted him to be a, a project to yeah. sit in the, in the sidelines and watch and get bigger and and – but he was thrown in the action and it still probably turned out to be yep. their best lineman even though he weren't wasn't no. expected to play. And I think that's something for Spielman. I mean, as much as, you know, he's a, a scapegoat person, I, I do think he's drafted well, you know, with a lot of these picks. Maybe not we maybe haven't hit home runs in the first round, but a lot of these guys I mean Steven Weatherly was a seventh round draft pick and he was you know, especially with Everson Griffin, he was you know being hurt. He was gone. Holton Hill, while he had his limitations, was still a free agent pickup. Right. You know, so I think he's I think he's done a good job of evaluating talent, and, and especially those later round. Stefan Diggs was a fourth round draft pick. Adam Thielen was an undrafted. So I think there's something to be said there. Yeah, he's done a good job amassing talent for the team. Just the one area yeah. he has, I don't know if he's neglected it or just can't find anyone. But you could put quarterback in the same issue. I mean, he's never been able to find a quarterback. No. Right. So You know, and, and, and Cousins, I mean, I, the one thing I see with Cousins is he just doesn't have that I can make a play with my legs. I can make – he just – and I think he got into such a I don't want to make a mistake. He played scared he the played last scared. half where yep. the season. He either was whether making a mistake or he's afraid to get hit. He always just seemed – from Washington and Washington in the Vikings game, seems like he's a little was a little bit more mobile yeah. and willing to step up and take some more runs. Here he was a statue, seven step drop and stood there until he got hit. It but just didn't seem like he was willing to try to make a play or something. It all started with that game in Chicago. He got absolutely knocked to the turf multiple times. I mean, nobody could block Cleo Mack. You know, Hicks in the middle. So it really started with that. I mean, I think that was the game where he threw that backwards, right, yeah, the backwards pass because he just had he was so scared. And, and I, so I think that's something that the Vikings are going to have to address, obviously. And that's you know, yeah. The problem is this is where the Vikings go. Well, we're sitting at eighteen. And they're going to reach. They're going to reach for somebody because they know they're in yeah. desperate need. And so, well, they got to. This is like you said, looking forward to next year. They're up against the cap, so they're going to have to make some changes on some pretty high profile players i'd imagine like everson griffith will either be cut or take a massive pay cut yeah. same with kyle rudolph with the amount of money he's making you can get a rookie to yeah. do what he's doing for a lesser price so he'll either be cut or massive yeah. pay cut and then remmers yeah. imagine is gone yeah. and then probably a couple other high price people anthony Barr. Yeah, Anthony Barr is definitely, but I mean, I think I think you if you don't sign him before you go into the season, you're not signing him, right? I yeah. Mean, 
he's one of those guys that I think they feel like Eric Hendricks is probably the better of the two. And so um, you got what you got out of bar this year, and you just let him go to free. You can't sign them all. And I think that, so, you yeah. know. You just so like I said, I imagine else. those two big, Griffin and Rudolph would be the two big names that are most likely won't be back. Yeah, unless Sheldon it, Richardson. If, they're, if they are back, it'll be at a massive pay cut, because I think Griffin was just 31. He's making 13, yeah. 14 million. So they'll probably ask him to cut it down to four or five million if they can, or just outright cut him. Yeah. And Rudolph, where do you have? 30 catches this year for yeah, he, he, 8 million. You're not going to bring it, bring no. that back. He's a tremendous community guy and I, I, I see them really rooted. So I, I could definitely see him. He even like said that he wants to be back next year. So, I mean, I could definitely see him restructuring his contract to stay here, you know, remain a Viking. He's been, he's been there his entire life and, um, they're really big into the Mason, right. like, you know, children's hospital. So, that would be something that I just don't, you know, sometimes your family just get rid of it. You don't want to move. Right. But all in all, we can agree, disappointing season. Very disappointing. But what about that defense? I mean, I don't know that it's a top three, top four defense when you don't – you never take no, the ball away. The no. stats had them, what do they say, third in the league. Yep. But when they needed to make a stop this year, they couldn't do it. Look at the, the Bears game. When they, they cut it to 13-10, to 10, and if they could have got them off the field, granted, a couple penalties yep. hurt them, but how many third downs did they convert in that one long drive that kind of just, mm-hmm. it was like a seven-minute drive and converted four or five third downs, and they just couldn't get off the field, and that was yeah. the story of the season again. The defense is predicated on sacks, and the dink and dunk teams is Chicago's and New England's killed them. I mean, and, and everyone kind of saw that after those New, that New England game. I mean, it was just it, just those methodical drives where you don't throw a home run. You don't give me a three-strat drop. You can't a defensive lineman can't get there, and they're just, you know, it's useless. So, and they weren't as strong on the uh, the run this year. That really hurt them in the Bears game. Uh, Linval Joseph, he just was non-existent all season. Right. Um, Sheldon Richardson, all right at times, but you know, both those guys are in their thirties, and so. All right, should we move on to the next topic? Sure. We, we talked enough Vikings. It's about all they deserve. Season's over. <laughs> Used to get more fired up. Now I don't. But, well, let's switch things back to, uh, to high school talk here a little bit. And I kind of brought up a topic, uh, you know, before the show here. In the last two weeks, two, well, ADs, an assistant AD and a, and a, and a um, head AD have asked me, Chaska Chanassen, Chaska and Chanassen, what's the deal? Why aren't they joining the Lake Conference? Why don't they want to uh, join the Lake Conference? What do you think, Eric? You know, and... Uh, you know, for me, it's one of those things that I, I've been a, a proponent of the move for years. A lot of people in the communities are like, yes, we need to make this move. But administration has kind of balked at the idea. Um, so what do you guys think? The, I mean, late conference was sitting there with five teams. We start, in essence, we started district football for the late conference because they, they couldn't fill their schedules. And they're saying no to everybody, the state high school league. Uh, drops Buffalo and St. Michael, Albertville, in for next year, so they'll be up to seven teams. Uh, does does, does the, is the conferences as they are right now work for you guys? Well, I always thought Shakopee and Prior Lake would be the next two, and that at the time made the most, most sense, but now with Buffalo and St. Michael, maybe they're too far away. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Eden Prairie and Edina to Buffalo, I think, is 45 miles or something. You could probably add another 
20 miles and another 45 minutes if you're talking prior lake yeah i i think it works i kind of looked at all the sports and there, there is a few that it just probably would not go well in the cross countries the track and fields i mean they just don't have the amount of athletes especially in track and field to contend um or even you know be any kind of players in those sports but a lot of the other sports I mean, th these are schools that are growing each year. Um, Carver, you know, because of the 212, you know, expansion many years ago, Carver and Victoria, Chanasson, Chaska, all these areas are exploding with new developments. Okay. They're going to reach 2,000 kids in the schools and be in that next echelon of schools in the next decade. And so for me, I, I think you, you just you make the move and go, hey, uh, we need to elevate our teams. And it's, it's, I mean, in essence, who cares? You know, it doesn't change, you know, many lives. But I think when you when you say, hey, Lake Conference, we'd love to schedule some baseball and softball games with all of your teams the next two years. And their big reason why is because the Metro West Conference, which Chaska and Chana Center are currently in, a lot of those schools only field varsity JV. Chaska, Chana Center of a nine, a 10, a JV varsity. They're, they're telling me, that they're in a conference that just doesn't work program-wise. And if your ninth right. and 10th grade teams aren't getting games, then that's a problem. You know, right. that these kids are, you know, a lot of times it's not just kids who are gonna eventually play varsity, but it's the kids that just wanna keep playing. And if you don't have enough game for, games for them, then these kids are not playing, they're not being active. So, right. I mean, it, once, they def, once they admitted that they needed help in a sport like baseball, softball, well, I think in, in essence you're saying, a lot of these team sports say you're going to need partnerships, and so that means you have to move to the next conference. Yeah, and I think the South Suburban is pretty set, but like you said, the obvious move would be Shakopee and Prior Lake to go in order to the lake. And when Shakopee moved from Minnesota to South Suburban, I always asked, why aren't you looking at the lake? And they said, oh, we just can't compete with those teams. And I'm like, well, you're, they're in your section, so you have to compete with them, so don't run away from them. Uh, Embrace it. You're gonna have to compete with them anyway because they're not going anywhere. You're going to be, and that section two is not going to change very much between Eden Prairie, Shakopee, Prior Lake, Chaska, and Chan. So might as well join the join them and get better instead of trying to avoid them. And maybe with with seven to nine teams. I mean, right now, if you were talking just Eden Prairie, Wyzetta, Edina, Minnetonka, that's different than if you add. Yeah. You know, it's not quite so top heavy if you add if you've got nine teams you might you know it's, it's not playing a number one or number yeah. two team every single week right for you know I, I think Chaska and Chan probably at this point better align with the South Suburban Conference you know a lot of the South Suburban schools are you know 16 to 2,000 kids you know obviously Prior Lake Shakopee greatly exceed that but the Farmingtons the Egan's the Rosemont's issues all the ones over there um, are, are around that that and I think competitive competitiveness wise Chaska Chan would be right there too but the South Suburban and less Prior Lake or Shakopee move out there's they're not letting anybody else in and I wonder if Prior Lake and Shakopee were to move they would just probably just stay as is and I think that would put them down to eight teams which is perfect so I mean, I think Chaska Chan, their, their, their best option is the Lake Conference, and they're going to have to do something. 
I mean, Richfield leaves after this year. They're down to seven teams. It, you know, Bloomington Kennedy, St. Louis Park, their, their numbers aren't getting any bigger. Right. Bloomington Jefferson's not getting any. Benil's not getting any better. And as Chaska Chan start to, to grow and grow and grow, I mean, Jane Asson's one of the, almost one of the top 32 teams in football. Right. You know, how can you justify, you know, being in the top 32 and then playing, you know, schools, you know, like, like a St. Louis Park or Bloomington Kennedy? Right. The problem is Chaska Chan doesn't dominate in anything <laughs> unless they unless they co-op, like boys swimming. Like I said, I think the South Suburban is pretty much set, but the one school you might want to take a look at, and it's not even down the it's a couple years down the road, even if it's is Burnsville. Their numbers, they're a big school, and I think they're still top 10 in population-wise enrollment, but their sports team's uh, activities has just fallen down because the participation numbers just aren't there for them. So I'm not even say, saying two, maybe five, six years down the road when things get are bleak for them, maybe they'll look for a change and then that will be a domino effect for South Suburban and Metro West. And Well, there, there are like some that. people that were saying Hopkins might be interested in leaving the lake. And part of that, I mean, look at their, they've got a couple co-op programs now too and in you know they're not competitive in a lot of sports, but yeah. But and it used to be that football ruled all this, right? You know, and even both ads said they're like, "Well, football's off the table now." So, what's the big? Because that was the worry is that they would get killed in football, and you know. So what's the big worry? Well, and I and so I mean I think that you you look at program wise, you have to look at. I, I think it's you try to try to appease everybody, but you can't. I mean, right. Um, Metro West doesn't work for a lot of a lot of sports at Chaska Chan. It, it, it might do at varsity, but you know, as a lower level, like I said, it doesn't work. And so, I think you have to just go at what works the majority. I think Chaska Chan's big idea when they start they formed the Metro West was to have the inner district, you know, the Bloomingtons, the Robinsdales. And it didn't work out when Armstrong decided not to leave the Northwest Suburban. And so, I think while it was a stopgap. They need to decide to do something different, and the time is now. I mean, right. 2019 is probably off the off the radar right now, but 2020 is. You know, you got to start. You know, this summer we'll start working on uh, stuff for 2020. So, um, I think you know the time is now to kind of make a decision. Right. I'll throw in this: uh, Jordan High School, which is in the Minnesota River Conference, isn't actively looking to leave, but they are not closing the door on any options so they're they're looking around because they're just too big for their conference with tri-city high school and bell plain and norwood they're just way too big for that conference so they're looking to move and the most likely move is the Wright county conference for them so they're not actively looking to leave but it could happen at any time that they decide that we're just too big for this Minnesota River Conference. Yeah, and yeah, Jordan would be perfect in the right county. They could replace New Prague. New Prague's got to do something. I mean, they are they're three times as many kids right. as Holy Family. Well, it, you know, uh, the same I think division. a couple ADs in the South Suburban said they they feel bad for New Prague yeah. because they were left out in the cold when the whole last real realignment. So you could they kind of have a sympathetic gear for New Prague to joining the SEC if that it comes to that. So that may be a move for New Prague if... Burnsville. If If Burnsville goes to Metro West, then 
I mean, because in essence, where else would Burnsville go? Yeah, I mean, there's just there's nowhere else to go besides the Metro West. So uh, that would be natural. New Prague moves in, Jordan, you know. So the dominoes falling. That's every time you think it's set, it isn't. Right. So, but even when when I was talking to Mike Grant, he, you know, this is, seems like a pretty big change, but he says it happens all the time. Yeah. I mean, look when, you know, the. South South Suburban started. I mean, that wasn't that long ago. No. What no. ten years ago? I think. Yeah. And and before that, you know, the Red Lake, Blue Lake, all that. Classic I mean, Lake. Yeah, there was. <laughs> there have been many enumerations of the Lake Conference, either Classic Lake, Lake Red, Lake yeah. Blue. So like, it seems like it's a lot of upheaval, but like you said, it does happen every five to ten years. Since we've been talking about the Lake Conference, Dan, how about we, I mean, girls hockey, let's start with girls hockey and then go into boys hockey. Girls well, hockey, I mean. I mean, I, when I was talking to Jamie Grossman, the Eden Prairie coach the other day, I mean, Eden Prairie starts a stretch with nine of the next ten games against ranked opponents, and that's because of the Lake Conference. Yeah. I mean, look at look at the rankings. Yeah, I know. And so they've got, uh, you know, Wyzetta on Thursday, and then they go to Minnetonka, but that's most coaches still you know the conference is a way to get to march mm-hmm. so you know why is that is a on paper a tougher game than the minnetonka game for the girls hockey yep. team but they need to win the minnetonka girls hockey game because they want it. it's a has way more section implications yeah i mean there's a dyna that that's you know top two in the state why is top five i believe so yeah, you got four, four teams. I don't think Minnetonka is in top ten, but they've also beaten Nandover. They've, you know, when when they're on, you know, they they can be among those top you know ten teams too. So, two three losses probably going to win. I mean, it's just it's uh, yeah. it's a crazy conference for girls hockey, boys hockey, kind of the same thing, Dan. I mean, well, everybody's chasing Minnetonka though. Yes, but when you play, I mean, when you play a Dinah twice. You know, Wyzetta's improved this year. You're going to drop. Minnetonka's going to drop yeah, a couple of those games, right? I mean, has Minnetonka lost yet this no, year? No, So, yeah, they won't go through the Lane Conference playing no. Edina, Ian Prairie, Wyzetta undefeated. And no. No. if they do, then it's just then an, incre- then it's an <laughs> incredible season. You know, it's just incredible. If you've beaten Ed- Sweep Edina twice. Do you play twice, everyone? Yeah, yeah. Edina, Ian Prairie, and Wyzetta twice. Yeah. If you can get 6-0 and on those, you're – your team is unbelievable. So that can't happen, though, right? I mean, I wouldn't bet it, on it. I would, <laughs> I would take the field. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. I mean, I just think. I mean, Mantock is on just such a such a roll right now. I mean, they just they played Maple Grove, who was unbeaten in that game in the second game of the tradition in the park. They went five two. It was a four nothing game in the third period. What's like, what's been? You know, they've always had a good program. They've always trying to. Go uphill and win that state tournament, and they got it. Is it just confidence that they're riding with? I know they got a ton of talent. They, they do have, but a ton is of it talent. just a different level with their confidence of yeah. knowing they can do it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, they had more talent last year, right? And they didn't start twelve and zero. Sean Goldsworthy is a darn good coach. I mean, he spent a lot of years coaching college athletes at Saint Olaf, um, but he doesn't overcoach. They all they have a really really talented uh, coaching staff that kind of. All has their own little things to work on, and they bought. I mean, it's cliche, but they bought into the, they bought into what he's preaching. And when you win a state championship, it's really easy the next year to keep buying into that. Right. They have really good senior leadership um, on the back end, 
and some of their forwards have just you know blossomed quicker than I think anybody could have thought. So they're getting production from from a little bit of everywhere, and so and goaltending. Right. I mean, Charlie Glockner has lined up two goals twice in a game this year. So ten of the twelve games, he's let in one or zero goals. Pretty hard to beat when right, when, absolutely. You know, you, when you have to score, you know, you know, you can only let up one one goal. So uh, Minnetonka is on a roll, but they've got a tough they've got a tough stretch coming up ahead. They got a sneaky game with Benilde, right? Yeah. And that kind of segues into the Metro West Conference. I mean, Benilde's kind of been down the last couple years, uh, and they went three and zero at that 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 tournament too at St. Louis Park. Uh, their boys hockey team, yeah, they have some really impressive wins. They're like nine and three. Uh, Ken Pauly was all over uh, Twitter the other day, right, yeah. you know, like talking. Uh, so they have a lot of confidence. They play, I think, Thursday or Saturday, one of those two days. Um, so that'd be, I think it's Thursday. So that'd be a sneaky game. But Benil, I mean, I look at Chaska. Chaska was sitting here, the underachievers. Seems like they've turned it around this they've past. Turned it around. I mean, <laughs> and I. I talked to before, but I did that webcast uh, with the Minnetonka-Chaska game, and I said, Chaska's played a bunch of teams they should have beat, and they didn't come out prepared, and they lost a bunch of games. And when you face really good teams, you have to come in mentally prepared, right. and so they did. And they played Minnetonka a 2-1 game mid-third period, then they go and sweep Eden Prairie, Prior Lake, 8 to nothing, and then Adina shocked them. I mean, it was a 3 nothing game. They were down, and they came back and won 4-3. So... Uh, Chaska seems to have turned the corner, you know, but now you go into a stretch with Greenway, you know, Benilde's down the road. Do they have that same intensity? And they, they've stumbled a lot the last couple of years when they should have right. been players in the Metro West Conference and they haven't. So it'll be interesting. Benilde, seem, Benilde seems hungry. Um, and Bloomington Jefferson has always given <laughs> District 112 just problems over the years. So yeah. I, wouldn't, I never want to count them out. Um, and then on the girls' side, it's kind of a weird conference because you got Holy Angels, uh, who co-ops with Richfield. You have Minneapolis. That's so kind of hard to get a good, uh, you know, read on that. But Chaska Chan um, is usually one of the, the top teams. Benilde is better this year, so I think it'll probably be those two teams. But South Suburban, I mean, we got uh, South Suburban is not Chakabee or Parley. No, not Chakabee or Parley. I think the big surprise in South Suburban is Rosemont yeah. coming out of. I, don't know, I think everyone thought they'd be pretty good. I don't yeah. know if they thought they'd be this good. I think Rosemont just went up to Duluth and beat Hermantown for yeah. the championship of the Duluth tournament up there. So that's a eye-opening win for yeah. all the other teams looking at Rosemont going, oh, okay, they, they might be for real this year. Other teams in the SEC, I, I think it's pretty packed together with Lakeville North, Egan, Eastview, yeah. Lakeville South can always pop up and beat somebody. So um, in Prior Lake, I think Prior Lake's probably, I don't say the biggest disappointment so far because they have one of the best players in the state. Yeah. But after Jackson, they can't but find anyone else to score for them. Still, boys hockey is not, you're not going to, one good player is not going to carry no. it to no. boys hockey. No, but not, that, not in 2018. Yeah, the, the only the only way really a one player works is power plays. I mean, if you can really work him uh, on that, and so I mean, prior like I, I saw them early in the season against as against Chanas, and they just didn't have any kind of finish outside of not enough speed to to play with the big boys in section right. two. I mean, they'll probably win some games in the in the South right. Suburban, but like you said, Rosemont, I saw them against Chaska, and it was uh, Rosemont was up four nothing, and so. They, uh, 
So they have they have a lot of talent. So I would admit, offensive. Yeah. They can get goaltending. They could win Section Three, and I think they play St. Thomas Academy. Yeah. Who's you know defending you know the defending champion in that section right out of the gate here on Thursday? So yeah, yeah they've only played a couple games in the SEC boys, and I'd imagine right now, I'd say Rosemont's probably the favorite yeah, to yeah. win that, which is before the season. If you would have said Rosemont's the favorite in boys hockey, <laughs> like I said, everyone in the th- I think everyone thought they'd be pretty good. They yeah. have some talent, would be better, but not winning the SEC wasn't. I don't think anybody thought that. So on the girls side, I think it's I think Egan's running away with it. With yeah. the like, they're nine and zero, and I think Shakopee North and maybe another team are six and three in second place. But Shakopee just beat Egan at the Eden Prairie midwinter uh, meltdown in the Constellation game. So and Egan lost their first two games at that tournament. Yeah, they they went into the tournament I think twelve and zero, I believe. Was, were they that big? That good? I think so. They were undefeated in the SEC. They were nine and zero going into that tournament, and then they went. They lost to Eden Prairie, and then they lost to Shockby. Yeah, so I think Egan's got the. I don't say. I think they got a three-game lead in the SEC girls hockey standings with the playoffs starting. I know (laughs) three weeks in girls hockey, right? Yeah. So that's uh, that's where we're looking at the SEC in girls hockey. Is Egan is the top top dog right now? Go Wildcats! That's it for Sports Dummies this week. I'm Dan Huss with Eric Krauscher and Todd Ablin. Tom Chardon is off this week. Rachel Minsky is our producer. You can read more about what was discussed today at southwestnewsmedia.com. Thanks for listening.